here respected. Expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your office. Coolest, coolest show you know the hip hop call. Hey everybody, this is Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. And this week's episode is very important and also something that we felt at The Coolest Show we wanted to do. We actually wanted to have a producer's episode, meaning the folks behind the scenes who actually helped put the show together. That's right. Spoiler alert, that isn't me. I don't, I don't do all of that. I, I I know it seems like I probably could do all of that, but I don't I don't do all of that. As a matter of fact, there are some amazing, and I do mean amazing people, who bring their skills, their talents, and even their spirit to this process, not only to shape the coolest show, but in many regards to shape how our movement um, can be successful. So today, I have the fortune to actually just take you kind of behind the curtain here. Um, and be with us in our conversation. Now, there are many more people. I definitely want to shout them out. Uh, we have folks who are not on this episode who are definitely a part of our weekly and even daily conversation. So big shout out to Nikisha, TC, Brandon, and Jarrell. Big shout out to all of them uh, who do that. And, then, and even the team, the team uh, throughout the Hip Hop Caucus who does so much work. But... This today is really about the producers, those who kind of really give the brain for the show. And those three people are Dewan Cross, who we call Cross. Hey Cross, say hello. What's going on, cool the show? Uh it's great to be on this side of the of the of the microphone, I guess you'd say, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our other producer here is Destiny Hodges. Hey Destiny, how are you? Hey, Grand Rising. And our third producer is Tamara Tolls O'Loughlin. Hey, Tamara, how are you? I'm well. I can't really complain. It's fun. It's fun to be on this side and the other. So looking forward to a good conversation. That's right. Some of y'all who are avid listeners to The Coolest Show will be like, Tamara was a guest. Um, and then she just liked it. You know, people who like 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 the franchise, like the In Out Burger, they like they like it so much that they they buy the franchise. That is tomorrow. Tomorrow she liked <laughs> she liked it so much. She like bought she bought her into the franchise. So so here she is. So yeah. she's like, I love these French fries. If I'm you, gonna if buy you the see whole a vegan burger on the menu. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Vegan. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Cross. Are you a vegan? Cross. You're not a vegan. Cross. Are you? No, I'm not a vegan. I um I I've gone vegetarian for like years before, but currently I am definitely eating all thing, everything. But I'm 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 not as much as I used to. But I'm getting <laughs> back to my vegetarian days. Actually, also Destiny. I don't know Destiny. I don't know if Destiny's a, a vegan or vegetarian. Are you I'm vegan? Or I'm definitely plant-based, so yeah, we support yes. that lifestyle over here. Hold on now, yes. plant-based is a little tricky response there. I know that's <laughs> what I said. <laughs> it's a spectrum. <laughs> definitely a spectrum. We all have to put ourselves in the boxes of veganism and vegetarian. You know, I eat plants. I don't eat meat um, for the most part, unless it's a you know situation where I'm traveling or something like that. I occasionally eat some cheese. So, hey, it's a spectrum. I am plant-based. I, I used to have a friend who ordered a vegan hot dog with bacon on it. And it was mm. very, the person was like, what? You, 
And they were like, yeah, that's what I said. So you know what? It's a spectrum and we have to respect each other's place. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. Well, I might use that, Destiny. I'm going to say it plant-based <laughs> in, my, in my goings and comings. I also just want to congratulate you all. As we all know, uh, The Coolest Show is now an award-winning podcast. So congratulations. And it's actually considered one of the top 10 climate podcasts. That's amazing. Um, but I actually want to start there because just as full disclosure, as you mentioned about being plant-based, Destiny, Everybody I've talked to so far, everybody I've mentioned, is a person of color. As a matter of fact, they're all black. I think, well, they would consider themselves black. Uh, or they would be a person of a darker hue. <laughs> One of those two, maybe. What I'm, they would... all, I'm black. All the other boxes are, for, I'm not yeah. going to shake nobody. Yeah. So black, black, blackity, black, black, black. <laughs> yeah, uh, in case it was anyone's confused about the Irish and Polish last names, this is America. I'm black. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my mama black, my daddy black, I'm black. <laughs> so, so, there you, so there you go, folks. So we, we, you got your first surprise. So this award-winning podcast, this top 10 climate show, has all black producers and all black team, which is amazing because some of you might be, I hope some of y'all don't turn off because of that. Hope y'all, hope we just didn't like, hope, we, hope some of y'all like don't click off. Hope you are actually more excited, which is the reason why we wanted to have this producer's show. Because we actually felt that actually gives credence as to why this show is successful, but also why we needed to talk about that. So let me start with the first question. So any of y'all can kind of hop in here, but uh, what is the coolest show? Y'all being nice, so I'll just. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll start with Destiny. Okay, I thought you were going to cross. You know, he's the producer, but I got you. Um, the coolest show is is in my interpretation is a safe space, um, and I think many of our guests have expressed that. You know, outside of the recording, it's a safe space for people to really unpack their work, but not just their work, who they are and, and how that's relevant culturally to their identities and then how that embeds itself in, in their work. And in many different spaces in this movement and in this world, we can't do that. So this space here in The Coolest Show provides an opportunity to be with like-minded individuals and to be in community and then to be able to unpack whatever the conversation is we're having in a way that meets people at many different entry points, but that first and foremost lets the guests know, hey, this is a space where you can really say what you want, raw, uncut, keeping it real, and we're here to support you. We're going to give you some love, you know, if you say something a little out of pocket uh, in a transformational way, but it, it's a safe space. Mm. Tamara, you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think what I like about it, I consider myself the most inside the most inside outsider you will ever meet in almost any space that I'm in. And so this is no exception. It feels a lot like the coolest show is a place where people get called in rather than getting called out. And it's really important for us to have those conversations, to talk about strategy, to talk about what the movement actually is and not just continually refer to it as an object. So it's like an ongoing practice that brings in the people who are doing that work, the folks who are trying things and building experiments, and then lets them speak for themselves about what that's like. So 
Um, one of the things that I have been saying recently to people as they've asked me about, you know, how I'm helping to support this incredible work is that it starts where, you know, podcasts stop being polite and start getting real. Mm -hmm. So, so I really, I like the idea that, that you could call people in and say, well, well, let's talk a little bit more about that wrinkle where someone else, a different kind of show would, would try to smooth that out. So I think I'm always listening for that that moment where there's a contradiction or there's a conflict or there's something that needs to be explained with a little more nuance. Wow. Well, uh, Destiny, the reason I went with you and Tamara and yourself, obviously everybody knows I'm from Louisiana and even from the, the farther, furthest southern part of the world, parents are from Trinidad. So I had to always, you know, show my, uh, show my, little bit of my southern roots there. To make sure, but Cross, we didn't forget about you. No, it's what, is the, what is the what is the yeah? So, so you know, I guess I, I could back clean up. You know, what I'm saying I can uh, I can back clean up. Um, so yeah, so um yeah, you actually do back clean up every week. Actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, I try, I try, I try. So um, <laughs> the coolest show, you know, um to me is 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 become very personal. Um, just the 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 understanding that this is a platform and a, and a safe space for people to really you know get their, you know, get their shit off, man. You know what I'm saying? Like people really vent. Um they 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 tell their truths. At some point like Tamara said there is a a a point of like of discovery or understanding and there's also some therapeutic um type uh, responses going on there too where it's like a lot of people haven't been able to in rev, you know, you know, after after we, you know, cut the um mic off, we always get the I've never been able to say this before and 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 be so free in doing that. So I I think the coolest show to me, you know, as a person that, you know, has my background is a place that like Destiny said, it meets you at your entry point, you no know, or if you already uh have the experience in the in the movement. Um so it just kind of gives that that overall blanket to cover, you know, all aspects of, you know, what we're doing, what we're talking about and, you know, it's, I think it's just a good tool and a good resource. Um, you know, for for the people out here doing good work. No, I loved all that, but you know, this wouldn't be the this wouldn't be the coolest show if we didn't have some hard answers. So, I guess I'll start from the middle here from tomorrow, and I'll say this tomorrow: Is the coolest show actually a climate show, or is it a show that's about liberation, or is it a show that really is about black culture? Which one is it, or is it all three? You know, I love a good trick question. Um, it is all three. Um, and part of why it's all three is because climate touches everything. Mm-hmm. The culture informs how it shows up and the who the, the who is doing it helps us map how we're having an impact. So I think the coolest show is the movement. Like it is as much the movement as it is a reflection of what's happening inside of it. And I think being able to take someone beyond what their title is or what you could find on a website and really dig in with them on why. Like there've just been some really incredible conversations, especially this season where you've had the opportunity to really dig in with people on why they're doing what they're doing, not just what people see and get something out of, but what is their motivation? What is their place in the movement? And so I think you have to touch on all of those things to give people a real view of the why. So it's it's a fun laboratory for people who are still in progress, <laughs> mm. a culture that's still in motion, 
politics that's still getting worked out. Like we are in an evolutionary space. So just presenting a snapshot is fine. But if we actually want to be in practice together, we have to know a little more about each other than we could learn, you know, in a space where the culture is not invoked, where people's belief systems are not as important as their impact. So, so I think it's all of the above. Mm. Cross, you agree? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like Tamar said, like this season, I mean, we're, we're really getting to, it's all, it's everything. It's all encompassing. It's uh, black liberation. Um, definitely because I mean, this is a term that I was introduced to this recently, you know what I'm saying? Thanks to Destiny and Generation Green, who have, was great guests on the podcast, but I'm understanding that, yeah, it is a fight for our life, our fight for our survival. Um, and like we were saying before, you know, just meeting people at the entry point to know that there is a problem. And I think that is the first part. It's just like letting people know that, hey, there's a problem here. And now from that point, now we can go to figure out solutions and things that can just kind of help us be liberated um, from the systems that have been set up to really, you know, kind of take us out the game and keep us down. But can I, can I say really quickly that I think the Black liberation piece isn't just coming from people who identify as Black. Mm. Like that's one of the most exciting things is that between talking to Anna Joyner and Naomi Klein, there are other folks who, who have varying identities in this space and in this work, not just because of their race, but also because of class. And I have never been to a place where they've had to address those mm. layers, mm. not just the stuff that people see. Like, you know, listening to Naomi Klein have it to talk about whether or not she is doing work that puts black people into the future. I've listened to her talk a lot. I've read a lot of things she's written. Nobody's ever asked that question. Like having Alyssa Milano talk about reparations and what that means for people who identify as white and having to own the vision of a future where they are not extracting from people. Like I'm looking for the other places where that's going on. And so far I'm still looking. No, and 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 no, you're right, Tamara. Because I told Rev after we did the Anna Jane Joyner uh, interview, I was that was scary. You know, some of the things that she was revealing and just things that you already kind of understand, but to hear someone vocalize it and like as fact, and you know, it's 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 real. It's real out here. So like the fight is way is is way more intense uh, than people may see on the surface level. But there's been it's years of. You know, it's years of, of 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 legislation, laws, and everything that had just been set up. You know, what I'm saying so that we can't, so that we don't have the same chance. And they work hard to keep it that way. And now, when you have people like 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 these great like these great guests, you know, just revealing, kind of peeling mm-hmm. that onion back a little bit, is is really insightful. But like I said, at the same time, it's scary. So it's a fight, you know. Yeah, it's not. This isn't easy listening. but it is liberating and i I feel like you know if you if you just want to be comforted go have some tea Mm. if you if you want to hear some tea dig into the Mm. podcast because because getting people to talk about how they benefit from white supremacy how they benefit from privilege how they benefit from celebrity and then having to think about what it would mean to give that up like black liber if black liberation was just up to black people we'd have it already Mm. So, (laughs) so we do have to have this conversation i mean destiny's been really really, really just instrumental in a lot of ways in the movement of helping people to think through the fact that this is this is a partnered project. Destiny? A partnered, <laughs> a partnered project. Um, that was a really good way to put it uh, because, well, yes, Rev, to your question, it's all of them. And I, I think what Tamara just said and what all of us have said thus far is really important to note 
in that for me personally, and I think several of us on this call, I walk into this work, into whatever space I'm in, and it's Black liberation all day, every day, because I have the understanding that Black liberation is liberation for everyone. And so in the context of a conversation on climate and environment, you know, how can we solve the climate crisis without liberating Black people? Literally, like, you know, how, how can we do that? That's not possible when we live in a society um, that has global racial capitalism in which the most melanated people on a spectrum in uh, proximity to whiteness are exploited consistently in all types of ways to even uphold the system and have our daily lives be what it is. Um, like the way that we're sitting here on Zoom right now, how did we get here? <laughs> Who was exploited to get here? Um, even the computers and phones that we have, you know, Black people are exploited at every way. And so when it comes to the climate crisis and environment, we're the first and worst impacted. So how can we have a podcast about climate that doesn't center Black people and that doesn't talk about liberating us? Um, and like Tamara said, talking to other folks to see, okay, well, how are you contributing to that? How are you, you know, supporting the liberation of Black people? And do you understand that this work that we do is, that's necessary, that's a necessary component. And it's been really interesting over the past year in general to just see that unfold as now people are stuck in the house uh, or we're coming out now slightly due to vaccines, but people have been stuck in the house and we're seeing all types of consciousness being raised and shared as you know, with instances like Palestine, for example, um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, it's, it's awakening people's minds and, and taking them out of the nine to five daily or just the, I'm gonna do what I do every day and to pause and look at like, oh, this is not okay. Or that's what's really going on. Okay, so let me, well, for most people, I hope, let me figure out how I'm going to navigate this differently or how I'm going to share this new interpretation um, that I just learned. And I think the coolest show is a vessel to do that. It gets really nitty gritty to specific topics you know, like clean energy um, or pipeline fights, et cetera. But overall, there's this discussion of where are we trying to go? You know, how are we thriving? What is thriving? And Black liberation, again, fits into that. And there's this analysis of the movement also that's consistent of like, how are we going to change that? Because we talk about this being a safe space, the movement is not a safe space. It has not been a safe space. So the fact that we have to create a virtual, um, right now in COVID, a virtual space on a Zoom platform just to take a breather and to really talk about these conversations in ways that we haven't been able to says a lot. So that should inform how we shape our work and our movement. Um, and I think the coolest show is playing a really big part in that. You know, y'all bring up a lot of good, good points. I actually want to just give the audience a little bit more background into that. First and foremost, you know, the idea behind all of this is that we are in a climate crisis. We are without a doubt within a climate crisis. And there are a lot of reasons for the climate crisis, meaning, you know, there are different layers to how we can either solve the climate crisis. But let me just get to what Destiny and Tamara and Cross are saying, and this is what goes into our production of this show. It is simply that um, we, we, all of us, and you, and I just want to say personally that the folks, these producers, and the rest of the team um, are some of the most uh, brilliant people 
that I've been around, and they really give themselves to this process. Let me just add this as this kind of the back the backdrop. It is it is the fact of the matter that when we created this process, it was created because simply that people of color, um, black, brown, um, indigenous people of color, and women were finding themselves without a platform to simply say what they were talking about. It was just simply that simple. It was just saying that we, 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 we realized that the movement, particularly those on the ground, the frontline and defense line communities, were uh, BIPOC, as we would say, or BIWOC, as Elizabeth Yampier would say, a black indigenous woman of color leaderful movement on the ground. And that movement wasn't being heard. That when you thought about climate, you were thinking about Bill Nye, the science guy, our friend, Bill McKibben. Um, you were thinking about Al Gore, particularly mostly older, um, in their 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know, white men. And we were like just saying that, you know, hey, we need to, one, give the folks a platform. And not just any platform, a platform that they're not rushed because a lot of times um, in this work, people will hear from them, but they only give them five minutes to speak or 10 minutes, and you really can't hear from them. And so we said, no, we're going to give them a platform. So hence, hence the reason why we give folks the time on this. The second thing was is that we also just felt that we wanted to broaden the movement, which meaning that if people did hear from them, it wouldn't be just hearing from them only from just what their work is but who they are as a person so people could kind of connect with them. So they hear Jackie Patterson, um, who was on, and Jackie Patterson talked about her Jamaican background and what her what her mom did um, in Chicago and what it meant for her to see her own parents protect her brother um, and what that means as far as racial justice, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Or uh, Dr. Adrian Hollis talked about her, why she literally... Um, you know, had to keep getting degrees, like a law degree and a PhD, just to be competitive, to be considered, to be taken seriously. And so those kind of things would resonate. And we, 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 we brought that. But the other thing that we brought out, that we found out, the coolest show, is that we brought out a lot of trauma, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And I think I want to start there, um, you know, um, Anybody can hop in here. I, I, I'll, start with you, I'll start with you, Cross, in this process. Um, you know, talk about some of the guests um, that we've had and the reason why we continue to select the guests. Tomorrow, I kind of mentioned that a little bit right. about, you know, different folks and why that's the case. Um, but what, why are the guests and, and what have we learned and what are we trying to learn from these guests moving forward? Right. So, yeah, Rev, like like you said, I mean, and Tamar said um, uh, greatly that we are definitely going with a theme to make sure that we're selecting people that represent us. You know what I'm saying? In, mm. in, in, in everyday life, in the movement, like like I said at the beginning, look, my mama black. So when I when I'm listening to, you know, these powerful women, I'm like I'm, re- I'm reminded, you know, what I'm saying of being raised by a strong black woman. And so when I'm hearing that, you know, I'm hearing these messages, I'm hearing this truth, I'm hearing this hurt, like you said, like even talking like uh, Captain Coleman Flowers and what's going on down in Alabama, 
um, you know, with sewage, you know, going through her city and stuff like that. Like that's 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 sad to hear, you know, to go home and 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 your in your, in your hometown, your family and your friends don't even have like sewage or clean water and stuff like that. And so it just for me to hear that, it's like, okay, wow. So I hear about Flint, but it's more other places that things like this is happening, you know, in in the in the country and in the world. So um speaking to like Representative Barbara Lee, who was also powerful in 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 her conversation and you know, really talking about the youth and needing to, you know, apply more street heat and, and getting and getting back to, you know, the days like when she was coming up in 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 the movement. And it goes to one thing that you have been saying, Rev, that you know we're 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 trying to have people on this platform so that we don't keep making the same mistakes. And mm. I think that I think that's one of the most important things is just trying to you know have these have these uh, quality <laughs> guests that are actually doing things that can tell you their personal experiences. So they can tell you what they had to overcome so that the next person coming in that path, you know, won't have to make those same mistakes. Or if they are presented with these same things, then they know how to maneuver. They have resources and outlets, um, you know, so that they can like even like these shows. I mean, going back to these shows, you can listen to them and, and, and get some and get some strategy, you know, kind of behind them to see how you can maneuver in these spaces and just kind of expect, you know, uh, even when uh, Destiny was speaking, uh, was t telling about her experience like that kind of got her to start generation green uh honestly and you know when uh you know so that that that's that's real powerful to me to learn these things cuz even like i mean just you know everybody goes through these experiences so it's it's good to hear people that's giving you like experiences so that you can kind of maneuver and, and and understand that you're not the only one um doing this or going through this yeah i, I want to add there that i think talking about the trauma that's that is happening in the movement because we do not necessarily make ways for leadership to emerge. Um, I think that that's an underlying theme from mm. women in the movement to how young people are making space for themselves, particularly Black young people are making space for themselves, whether we're talking about youth versus apocalypse or Generation Green or intersectional environmentalists or... Um, or, or Black entrepreneurship showing up in women's bodies. We've been building America since it started. So that part is not new, but holding space for the way that this work doesn't necessarily allow us to build ways of working that can be turned into models that build other ways of working. Like talking to Crystal Hansley and Marilyn Waite, Marilyn is, is grappling with the heart of capital in ways that it would take weeks to unpack for most people who don't think about money moving through the system at the level that is actually moving. Like when we hear about trillion dollar packages in Congress, it feels like that's like it's a lot of money until you realize it's bus change that fell out of the government on its way to go do something else, right? So, so we are really like bringing in architects like i think mm. the the difference between these conversations and what would happen if the cooler show wasn't here is that people would believe that we're our lone wolves i can say that as a practitioner as an activist as an academic as a meddler and agitator that let me tell you that it doesn't take one of us to do anything mm. it takes a lot of us to do everything and a lot of us are doing a lot in different places so talking to the practitioners, the strategists, the architects in this work who are taking risks in their career, with their bodies, with their health to connect with our community, uh, whether they are doing that by building things in places where other folks say you cannot. Crystal Hansley is doing the work of, of, of calling the question about why there aren't more community solar projects in places where people want it 
and and calling the question on why the money isn't moving in that direction, why we aren't investing and taking advantage of the assets that our community has or even looking at them that way. So I do think that there are incredible places where we've always been, but no one has asked us about what that's like. Um, Shalonda Baker has incredible ex expertise that got her sucked into the Biden administration to hold space. She and Walia Johns and other people are really Leah Stokes, um, uh, Kareen Taylor. They're looking at energy from lots of different places. And so the idea that our community isn't just a group of people who use the products, who aren't just consumers, but we are owners and architects and strategists and people who build infrastructure that last generations. That is a conversation that we need to have right now because we're in the middle of an energy transfer that is akin to a civil war. If you look at, like, at of what it's doing to the politics. So, so I do think it's great. It's like being a, like, it, it's as if you could, you know, pull up aside any person you read about in a history book while they're riding a horse and ask them, so what's this like? Mm -hmm. Like, if, like, you know, people think of, you know, generals and strategists and architects and, and, and what would it have been like to, to be able to pull up a chair with them for a few minutes and ask them, so what exactly are you doing? Like, it feels like this is that space for, for lifting up the struggle while it's evolving. Tomorrow, I, I want to ask you this, and I want Destiny, I want you to hop in here. I just, I just got to do a follow-up to this because we've had, I've actually spoken with an elder in the movement and who listens to, thank you for listening to The Coolest Show. Um, and they said that The Coolest Show is therapy for them. Like, literally, this is an elder who's been in the movement um, yeah. for years, and they said this is therapy for them. That's actually what that's actually that's not a good thing though, right? Is that a I mean, I mean, if we have folks in this movement who've been so harmed by the movement and they yeah. feel that this this little every Monday they get this little bit of they they're seeing young people and they're seeing people look like them and it's just therapy. I mean, literally, she said it like it was my God, almost it could bring tears to your eyes. She said it was it's therapy to me. Yeah. Is that is that I mean, talk about that. And then definitely yeah. also follow up with whatever Tamara says. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I can tell you that the work of of movements is lonely, but it's not because it has to be, it's because that's what it's that's what this configuration of it is doing. I can tell you in another part of my life, I'm actually staring at this question really deeply. How exactly are we expected to have holistic solutions coming from broken people who don't know how to have Congress with one another, who don't have principle struggle, as it were, who don't know how to agree and make generative con conflict into solutions for lots of different kinds of folks. That is not a community level problem. That is a movement wide problem. Mm -hmm. Ask any person who is saving the day and for their day job, how they feel about the other people they are doing it with. And you will have to pull up a, a carton of tissue, hopefully bamboo, because, you know, we need to save to keep the trees in the ground. But what I'm saying is I, I do think that it is it is toxic work because the premises of doing it in the context of so much oppression require you to isolate yourself. Mm. Like you can't, a systems analysis is depressing. A systems analysis is heartbreaking. Having to watch people who have all been harmed because they woke up one day and wanted to do more than what they see being done requires people consistently showing up as better than they could possibly be when they're not being fed. So the idea that this is therapeutic it's because it is a space where practitioners get to show their humanity. And, and Twitter is not for humanity. 
Instagram is not for humanity. Facts. Like Facebook, your Facebook group is about how many cool images you can get mm-hmm. to bring people's eyes in and get a lot of clicks. So, so we don't have a lot of spaces uh, anymore where we can sit down and talk. And the movement is as broad as it's ever been, but we do have tools to communicate. So whether we're talking about Zoom or being in place, the movement was categorized by location previously because we didn't have tools to communicate. We are actually everywhere and it is isolating to be a person in your region focused on an issue, looking for other folks that look like you. And that's one of the best things that's ever come from the flattening of the internet is that I can have a conversation with the eco-feminists and Lake Chad on Twitter, on WhatsApp, and then on and then back again in, in a Zoom call. And we can talk about what is happening on the ground right near, now in Baltimore and in Lake Chad. And so I do think that this is a rare space because the questions that are being asked aren't just what are you selling? What are you doing? Is who are you and why are you doing it? Which is therapeutic because the work has so much false urgency built into it. Like it took decades and decades and decades to identify the problem, hundreds of years to make this problem of climate crisis. And, and it's going to take more than just like sound bites to get out of it. So it feels like therapy because you realize I too have these feelings. Mm. I mm. too feel this pressure. I too am struggling with these issues and how to translate it to my community that's been told this is not your business and then been told you are ignorant because you don't understand it. Mm. Neither of those things are true. It is our business and we would understand it if it wasn't shrouded in jargon. And it, um, Dr. Hollis's comments about having a having a jump hoops through every single kind of degree just to keep your own analysis is huge. That's a whole ministry in there. Mm. The idea that like you have to be able to have cleared all of these barriers just so you could think in the public. Like, what have we done? So so it does feel a little bit like this is the town hall or the park or the uh, place where you used to be able to go to a soapbox in the park and listen to people sharing their ideas in the public. We've always done that. And so the new place is, is in the internet. And because you can hear it in your kitchen while you're driving your car, while you're cooking your food, while you're talking to your children, or you're helping your elder, your elder family members maneuver outside the house, it gets into your life in a way that other forms just don't. Mm. I I think Tamara just put that really elegantly. I there's not a whole lot for me to add there, but I will say when when looking at trauma um, and what we're discussing right now and the sources of that trauma, there are there's layers to that. But some that I can zoom in on is trauma from the system, global racial capitalism, trauma from the movement. Um, and these can be many movements, but the climate and environmental movement and also intersections with other movements. Um, how we're socialized in the system or in this world, in this society, and how we're socialized in movement and in movement spaces. Now, are the latter two much different? That's debatable. Um, But I think that there's trauma from every angle. And when I think about me personally and my journey and my work and just in my life as an example, but there are many examples in all the episodes on this show, um, I think about how first and foremost, I show up in this world as a Black woman you know, and in my current age, I put the title of young person on top of that, which many people like to label me as youth. There's so much trauma just in that, even before I entered the space of doing work for my people or doing work in a movement, there's trauma right there um, because of how this society racializes me um, and, and categorizes me. And so when we pull back the trauma or think about how people show up in their work and what they're really discussing in these episodes and why it feels like therapy for some people, 
it's it's the fact that there are so many it's a syndemic going on right now you know and there are so many layers to what we go through on a daily before we even step into an office before we even step out to a protest before we even you know hop on social media for a post or a video or an interview there's there's so much going on a daily with our mental health um with just everything we experience you know as a black woman i have to deal with seeing on my phone every day. And, and now I've started to, you know, filter it out or just not watch things. Black death every day, no cap. And I think that that's what most of us have been seeing every single day. And I have to internalize that. And then I have to, for instance, for some people also step into a space, an office or a virtual space or be on a computer all day where I have to also deal with, with white folks and with folks who are so embedded in the heteropatriarchy uh, and create a space around that for me to try to advocate for who I am, my identity and my community. And then they'll be like, oh, actually, we don't want to hear that. But, you know, we'll write on our grant report that we gave X amount of money to that and that we have X amount of staff for that. That is so triggering. That is so traumatic. And there are so many people and elders in this movement and not just elders, other people who have been dealing with that for decades. And, you know, that's illustrated in this show um, with, with many people that we've already listed, uh, Dr. Adrian Hollis, Dr. Jackie Patterson, um, the list goes on, Kareem Taylor, it, so, so many people who have come into the movement at different points in time, too. And you see their analysis and you see their trauma very real and raw. And that could be jarring and it can also be therapy. And yes, that's not a good thing, because if we're if we're all in this for the right reasons, which we know we're not. But if we were all in this for the right reasons, then this fight wouldn't be as traumatic. And so I think we, we have to, to think about who are we in this work? Um, the five W's and, and the one H of who, what, when, where, and how, what's going on? Okay, like what is our analysis? And as Tamar has pointed out several times, that race class analysis is, is central to that. But just in general, who am I as a person? What do I contribute to the spaces that I'm in? Um, what do I contribute to this work, to this world? And how do I move throughout that? And how does that impact other people? And, and there's so many layers to that based on, you know, who, what your identity is, what your position is, um, what work you do, et cetera, et cetera. And this show has, has shown that in such a diverse way, in such an intersectional and interdisciplinary way. I mean, we've, we've covered so many different topics and so many people working on that same topic from different angles, but there's trauma. And I think it just shows that we have to change the way we work. We have to shift the movement or build new movements, which many people are doing right now. Many young people, especially when we see, you know, folks like it was mentioned, Youth Versus Apocalypse, like Generation Green, the organization that I'm with and that I founded, um, or like intersectional environmentalism, et cetera. People are, their analysis, they're trying to explain it in ways that people can understand and in ways that people can, can join them with in, in shifting the way they fight and shifting the way they move or in coming into this work, starting on that path so that some of us don't have to go through all this trauma and that even our analysis from the jump can be like, okay, this, this is rooted in something real, something raw and something that is me. And that's very fascinating and very hard to watch. And I think we see that unfold on this show and in many different, uh, many different episodes in many different ways. No, thank you, Destiny, Tamara, and Cross for all of that. I guess, you know, when we do this show each week, we have our, our team meeting, and then we have another meeting where we go over the questions, and then we, we come together. 
Um, the one thing that I have realized to what you are all saying, and I didn't know how to bring this skill set. Um, some people may or may not know. People ask us all the time. They actually, if, if I'm a real reverend, I get asked a lot, actually. I mean, what are you, a stunt reverend? They, I get asked, I mean, you don't know how many times stunt reverend. I get that asked that I get, and I, and I used to, and I still wonder, like, is it, I mean, I mean, do I mean, I've seen other reverends. Do I not look like a reverend? And I guess the question for that is people say, no, you don't look like a reverend. I'm like, what do you mean I don't look like a reverend? And that's one thing. Then they say, you don't sound like a reverend. I said, I think I sound like a reverend. I don't know. It, 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 it don't I thought the original, the original reverend was wearing some rags and some flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I the... Point, listen. I just want to point out that people might be getting their outfits confused. Yeah, come on now. And uh, that's... that's has been a lot of time, that's been a lot of time with facts. some prostitutes and some homeless dudes. Facts. So I, I guess... I, I, I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. We got to be... The, listen, that's a whole nother... People need to definitely <laughs> check out uh, the reverend... Michael Malcolm, if you missed that one, because he definitely goes in on that conversation. But the point here for me, though, is that um, I'm glad I am a a reverend and went to Howard Divinity School at the great HU, uh, the real HU. And I went there from and got my got my MDiv, and so I'm happy to have done that. And and the reason I bring all that up is this reason. And really, cross you lead off on this one. I think a lot of times to what Destiny and Tamara is saying, it feels like I'm in confession. Like, it really feels like when I'm having these conversations, and for you listening right now, um, these conversations get intensely personal. And when you're listening to The Coolest Show, you're him. Even with my interview with Tamara, when Tamara was a guest, I didn't know Tamara actually was going to leave the organization that she was at at the time. And she was like, like she was leaving me, like she was leaving me breadcrumbs. Like she was saying things in that interview, like blink once if you if you can see, you know, if you see me, you know, whatever. She would leave me some breadcrumbs so I could know that I'm okay, Rev. But I'm about to be moving on, and and that's and that and that's not a bad, a good thing. This was just that where she was, and I never forget, um, I never forget that. And she, she was just so powerful in that. So go back and listen to her her own interview, but. So many, Dr. Mildred McLean, um, my goodness, um, so many people who, Dr. I mean, you first ap- apocalypse. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, lit- literally, the interview, and I'm just saying this. You, you, and some of you may have may not have heard this, and I want to get the cross because he actually edits this out sometimes, mm-hmm. because I mean, my sister Kareem, when we were talking about Cecil, at we act like it was just so painful. We had to stop. Um, like this kind of like change the topic or change the, the conversation. So across, as you're hearing this, you're kind of in our confession booth. I mean, to me, um, in this, uh, do you you edit out you you edit out things. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, you know, we respect our guests definitely, and we want you know everybody. Like I said, this is a safe space, so. Things that may not, you know, that people share in the confessional with with the Rev, you know, may not need to be for everybody to hear. You know what I'm saying? But we do let them get everything that they need to get off off. Um, like you said, uh, yeah, definitely with Kareem, that was a very, you know, it was very emotional with that, you know, at times in that interview. Um, 
and you know, just me on the outside, you know, because I'm muted. So you know, I'm 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 that I'm that other wall. I'm like I'm not supposed to be there, really. You know, it's between it's you and the guest. But you know, I'm I'm reacting. You know, I'm taking notes. I'm I'm, I'm understanding. Like wow, you know who these people are. Like a lot of people, I'm learning as as we're going. So I'm researching. I'm so I'm understanding the impact and so understanding the work that was done prior to even my introduction to you know what we're doing. So um, yeah, I mean even with the um, uh, Crystal Hansley interview, I mean that was that was another one that you know it, even after the interview we had you know we we spoke to her for another what five ten minutes just about what she's been going through, you know, being, being the black woman, you know, going door to door in Baltimore, uh, selling solar to the, to the, to the, to the community and people, you know, being afraid of accepting new ideas and, and things like that, because they're, you know, people, it's, it's like the, go back to the trauma, you know, when you, be, it's like, a, it's like when you're beaten down so much, it's like, no, I'm trying to help you, but it's, it's like, I don't know if this is, you know, cause I've been beaten down so much. I'm just okay right here. Like, I, like, it's like, it's like a shock of fear that people are kind of left in. And so, you know, to go back to what uh, we've been saying earlier that, you know, we have like tomorrow say architects and people building uh, systems and new things for people. And, and, and that's the very sensitive part is introducing these ideas to our community and trying to help, help them, but help, help them understand and not, not, not change. Well, yeah, in a way kind of like shift the mindset to, you know, to know what, like we said before, like, you have been affected, you know what I'm saying? And and we all understand this. So these are the solutions, you know, and they're going to come in different forms. It's not going to be the way that you're used to seeing them through the government because guess what? They they not they not doing it this way. This us. So we got to go door to door and see each other and meet each other. Yeah. And I think that in these interviews and even in the parts that we edit out, you know, we have conversations about um future ways that guests can team up with the hip hop caucus and 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 just do more um you know, just outside in the streets, because even though we have this virtual space, everything starts with actually touching people and, and being there. today, receipts. So I want to give like a round robin of questions here, and I want uh, Tamara, Destiny, and Crossyard to hop in here. I'm gonna actually we're gonna go to the analysis and to the shows in this process. So, so here we go. Uh, I'm gonna start with this one. Uh, uh, Whoever takes it, that's your that's your question, and then we're gonna we're gonna go to the next one. So off the bat, uh, let's start with this. Um, uh, why is it that we don't see the people who have been doing the work, like all of our guests, get the visibility, support, and resources that they need? Who wants to hop in that one first? I mean, I can start off. You know, okay, come on, this, bro. This is okay. So, you know, I, I think in systems, you know what I'm saying? Everything, everything is a system. Like, I come from music, and so when I look at it from that perspective, right, it's, it's a lack of resources in there for creators and artists in that, in that, in that world, right? So, when I come over here and I'm like hearing these interviews and I'm, and I'm hearing like, you know, people, uh, groups trying to get funding is difficult, but other groups, even like when the um, Youth Versus Apocalypse uh, episode uh, uh, where they describe that, well, no, the people that's getting the credit aren't necessarily people that's doing the work, you know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of it is like, it's to me, what I'm hearing is like, a lot of this stuff has been hijacked, you know what I'm saying? And it's been like, uh, what would they say, like whitewashed? 
So the people that's been affected, the people that's actually out here in their communities where they live, where the people are actually, you know, struggling and need the help, are the ones that's trying to, you know, help. Like we haven't done a podcast with her, but just like Mama D out in um in Virginia, you know what I'm saying? Like she's doing, she's out there doing the work. But I'm sure there's some other agency or some other organization out there that's probably getting all the funding and everything like that, and don't have any have any clue what's going on in the community. So I, I look at it from it's 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 this happens in every every arena that when I meet someone that does anything that's black and I'm, and I'm here, I'm like, wow, you need money too. You know what I'm saying? I know people that just like inventors. I know scientists. I know, all, I know people that just cannot get funding. Amazing people, brilliant people. So I think that the, the personally, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's, it's white supremacy, of course. So the people that's going to get the funding are going to be the people that the system is built for to get the funding. I mean, period, point blank, like let's tell the truth. So what we have to do is, like um, in conversations that I have had with Destiny is we got to start funding our own. You know what I'm saying? We got to get our own people that have reached certain, uh, you know, status and, and and financial wealth and things like that, and start including these people into the into the into the movement and l- helping them understand that hey, your people are still affected. You know what I'm saying? And th- and this is how we can help make change. So that's just you know my my two cents. From the oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've heard, I don't know Tamar and uh, Destiny, I haven't heard Cross this much. I mean, you know, as a producer, <laughs> I've heard him talk this much for, for all three seasons. I don't well, know. <laughs> you know, De- Destiny has, though. Me and Destiny talk all the time. And then, okay. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, you know, Rev, you know, Rev, I'll call you every now and again, like on some random Sunday. I'm like, hey, I just, I, and then we'll talk for two, three hours. You know what I'm saying? So, I, yeah, I just under, I'm, you know, it's like, it's like I tell everybody at the at the hip hop caucus, all our great guests and everything. It's look, I'm I'm the baby in this. You know what I'm saying? Not in age, like my age, but in just experience in this in this movement. And so, I. I, I'm bringing my, you know, background and music and everything and, and just culture, period, to this to understand how to, to kind of intersect the two to make it cool to understand that it's good to eat good food. It's good to to, to, to breathe clean air, drink clean water. Like, what? You know, who's, who doesn't want to do that? Like, they act like it's not cool to do this stuff. Like, no, nah, we want we don't want to live by uh, uh, power plants and things that's going to, like, you know what I'm saying, mess up my kids or things like that. I don't have to worry about that. Like, who, who wants to live like that? So... <laughs> You know, I, I, it touched me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? No, so. no, that's, good. no, that, no that, that's actually the whole, the whole reason why we here. So my next question is actually for tomorrow. I'm gonna go tomorrow, then I'm gonna go to Destiny. Uh, tomorrow, why is it important to have a show that speaks primarily to Black people? Some people would say that's distracting. Uh, those people are not paying attention to the change that is necessary. So anyone, I mean, people can say whatever they want. It's important to have a show that speaks primarily to Black people because we are both essential and invisible. There is nothing that happens in the exchange of capital that doesn't involve Black people. Whether we are the labor, 
like for the whole country, whether we move the labor, whether we make it cool for people to, to invest in, divest from, uh, move from one part of the sector to another, we are already involved in the transaction. So having a podcast and, and really community space where folks think about energy and climate and the movement and strategy and humanity, that is important because so many of our places um, have been denuded of that kind of discussion. So the community spaces where we would normally go have been made commercialized, have been made places where we are observed by other folks to find trends. And so developing a dialogue about the things that are real to us now as we are fighting for our survival in the middle of a big conversation about our trajectory towards survival, uh, it's imperative that we do that because with embedded in our being able to connect in community are solutions that help everybody. Like it, like the idea of focusing on speaking to a Black audience and people who are supporters of Black people. My favorite question from politics a few years ago is, do you love Black people? And any politician that feels comfortable saying it, when I look them right in the eye, we have something more to talk about. It's because the solutions that we need to survive the climate crisis, some of them are in our community. Many of them have been holding us up through catastrophe after catastrophe. It's why I really liked the conversations around ideology and the whitewashing of the movement that involved my sisters in this work, Amy Westervelt and Mary Heglar. Like the idea that we have to think about how we're showing up, not just as users, but as owners and architects, that means we have to direct the conversation at us and other people aren't doing that. You can talk all day about emissions and about um, tailpipe exposure or about the, the total maximum daily load or whether or not uh, transportation will include us in the conversation. But transportation goes through us because we aren't consulted, right? And it destroys our community, breaks us up, pushes us all over the planet. Climate gentrification, like talking to Elizabeth Yampierre and really bringing down um, the high-mindedness that thinks that you can talk to us without being a part of our community. And so I think it's an incredible moment to speak primarily to an audience of people who are underserved. Like, I don't think of us as disadvantaged. I think of us as chronically underserved. Wow. That's the, what is the moment that we're in? And I guess, what are the defining moments that have gotten us to where we are? I'm really appreciating this conversation. Uh, I hope the listeners are too. I would say the moment we're in right now is critical. Um, and everybody knows that, but I don't know if people know just how critical, you know, we try to put a time stamp on things saying we have nine years or we have until 2030, um, by 2050, this will happen, et cetera. But for black people, um, for indigenous people, for people of color, notice I'm not using the BIPOC acronym because that is really harmful. Uh, that's another conversation. Um, debatable, debatable. It, it, Let's go. We're going to debate that on a different podcast. Yeah, it is debatable. So, you know, not to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but we are dying right now. Right now, in this moment, every second, Black people are dying. And if that doesn't show urgency or if that isn't an urgency to you, that's a problem. Um, and, and that's how many of us, specifically Black people, show up in this work. That's how I show up in this work. And so the moment we're in, I'm concerned about how many Black people can we save, you know? And that's not the question that everybody is asking. Um, and I think it's, it's quite wild. We see right now literal rockets 
being built to go to Mars. There are people preparing to leave us behind. Um, and that conversation isn't being had enough, you know? Um, and so that goes to the moment we're in is having a correct analysis of the problem. Because if you don't have a correct analysis, then your solutions aren't correct also. And currently our movement um, and our society, it doesn't have a correct analysis. And I think we're shifting into that direction and that's happening rapidly as it has been for the past year. It needs to happen more rapidly, I would say, um, but there's not a correct analysis. And so what are we gonna do in this moment to make sure that we not only have the correct analysis, but that we give resources to the correct solutions um, and that we know what those solutions are and how can you know where those solutions are if you're not hearing from the people who are affected first and worse. And so my analysis, and I think the analysis that many of us share or need to move to is, is one of environmental liberation, um, which is a term um, an ideology, a framework that Generation Green, my organization has developed in which we have to critically analyze the injustices that have taken place in the environments of Black people. And that's not just a domestic conversation. That's not just a U.S. conversation. That's an international conversation about the African diaspora um, and, and globally. And so when we do that, it shifts the way we work entirely just by having a certain lens that is one for and by Black people and looking at how we're impacted. And I think that when we talk about an international conversation around climate and environment many times, yes, people, you know, use the terms the global south, map of most affected people in areas. And that's another debatable conversation on these labels, um, which is very Eurocentric. But when we look at what's actually going on, and again, how many people are dying, going back to that point of how many Black people can we save? Um, the rate at which we're experiencing climate change as Black people across the world is exponential. And again, it's happening right now. So when we talk about solutions and when we talk about um, the architects, as it's being discussed here, that's critical. <laughs> it's critical. That's the moment we're in. We're in a moment to really address stuff in a radical way, which that word scares people. Um, but it's addressing things at the root. And so in this moment, we must seriously address things at the root. And how do we do that? It starts with the analysis. It starts with who we're hearing from, who's in positions of power and leadership, how are resources and assets being reallocated? And we hear a lot of these conversations in the coolest show. And while each episode might not say what I just said, that's what they form. And that's a blueprint or at least pieces of a blueprint that leads you to put that together yourself. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful, but that's the moment we're in. This moment calls for us to seriously um, rethink and construct our analysis and how we're moving, how we're organizing our people, how we're mobilizing our people, how we're healing. Going back to the trauma point, it's so critical and necessary to heal. There's so much trauma on this planet. And if we don't take care of ourselves first, and if we don't reconnect to our connection to the earth, our ancestral connection to the earth as black people, which is what environmental liberation is about, then where are we going to be? You know, what good is being free, being liberated if there's no planet to be on? And that's something that I say consistently. Um, and there's people who are really trying to leave this planet behind because the destruction has taken place here and the reality of how much it is going to take to seriously have a radical shift and a holistic change that many people on this planet don't actually want to see. Um, because that would disrupt their lifestyles. 
that would disrupt the flow of global racial capitalism and how white wealthy pockets are aligned. Um, and if our analysis doesn't start there with realizing how we got here um, with, you know, the genocide of indigenous people in many different locations, in many different locations, um, the transatlantic slave trade, the Arabic and Indian ocean slave trade, which doesn't even get brought into this conversation of climate, the raping, the pillaging of resources and people from the African continent. Um, if we don't start there, if we keep bringing up the industrial revolution, um, if we keep just bringing up even the transatlantic slave trade, slave trade and not going back farther beyond that to really see how we got here, then how can we truly have correct solutions and move forward? And this moment calls for us to, to question that and to remap that and to continue to map how we're moving forward in a way that truly addresses that. Not stagnant, it shifts with the times um, and, and it shows up in many different ways. And so what is our culture as a movement? What is our culture as a people? And understand that there are many different communities in which we represent on the show who tell the story differently because their culture is differently. And they're contributing to the larger culture of how we do this work and how we view this work and how we understand this work in this world and our lives and other people. And that that culture is what will allow us to connect, is what will allow us to shift the way that we work, is what will allow us to expand that analysis like I was talking about. And so the best way, again, for us to make sure we can communicate that in a way that's understandable is to have people, real live human beings, speak to it um, and speak to it from their experience. And so I think that means people at their many different entry points. And we're definitely working here on The Coolest Show to make sure we continue to do that and do that in a meaningful way so that more people can understand it and that the guests that we seek and bring on align with that more and more and more. Destiny, thank you for that. I actually want to follow up with you, Destiny, on, on this. You brought up something, and then obviously, obviously, tomorrow and Cross can hop in here. But Destiny, as you're talking, I'm thinking about two different things. I'm thinking about the how sometimes the climate movement wants to narrow the conversation, right? And they want to talk about, which is very important conversation around either what's going on with methane or particulate matter or how much carbon is in the atmosphere. And, and they want to simply bring it down to sometimes a scientific conversation and, and, and in that aspect. Um, at the same time, you're obviously bringing in other things that also contribute to this moment that actually are contributing to the climate crisis. But we, and as a, as a show, we want to bring all that forward. We want our community, um, we want every community to know that in essence, um, that simply put, that the, the the liberation of Black people is will help solve <laughs> this climate crisis, and if that is at the forefront of what we do, and we figure that out, and we connect the dots, that racial justice is climate justice, then we can actually find solutions. Um, many folks are not seeing that, so this so they're getting this from both sides for the first time. In other words, from one side, folks are doing climate work are hearing this for the first time, or they're trying to understand it. And there are some folks from those communities, black communities, brown communities, indigenous communities, who are also, for the first time, understanding how all of this is connected. And then we have to unpack that. And so we have these guests, right? We have these guests on each each week who unpack that. Are we successful? Is that just such a big task for us to, to do? I mean, or I know all of us are looking for guests that we're more guests, so stay tuned. We're going to have new guests that will be coming on uh, each week. But that's such that's a, that's a big task. So how do we unpack that so that then what Cross says that the culture, people can understand it. Like it becomes something. A that, word. 
but that overwhelming, like, ah, I can't, this is too much for me on either side. And so how do we unpack it in a way that, which we're doing, but how do you and Tamara and Cross and all of us here make sure that this, what we're trying to communicate is simply communicated? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important just to recognize that the culture isn't just um, what we see, it's who we are, it's how we interpret our own experience and how it is received by other folks. That all happens through a cultural lens too. So I think um, what I like is the mix of folks in the conversation. I like that there are researchers and that there are spokespeople, there are actors and there are um, architects quite literally of um, financial protocols and regulations and that stuff that also is like deeply unsexy and really important. Um, there There are folks who are, are building the next generation of energy, like Darnell Grisby. You know, there there are folks who are in this space whose work has to be explained to everybody, not to black people, to everybody. And and the fact that it is being authored and developed and tested and experimented by people who are part of our culture just means there's obviously an application that's for us. And so much of the conversation about the next generation of energy or the solutions that need to come in climate or the ways that we have built a narrative around who cares about the environment, the, all of those things, um, if we're already in it doing it, then there's plenty of ways that we can receive it, support it, and make it more generative. And so I think the thing that's happening here around the culture is that we are um, telling the truth on a lie, which is that we're not already here, that we haven't already been here. And so, so clearly, we don't need to be acculturated to a thing that we help build, that we are the authors of. And so so that's like the underlying thing that's happening and like at, turning the conversation on, on people who are shiny on TV and in real life, if you talk to them, like if you talk to Leah Stokes about energy, the, ener- the, the amount of glow that comes from her face, we need people who do that regardless of, <laughs> of like what box they check off. But if you talk to Shalonda Baker, you get the same. There's just very few places that would talk to both of them. Come on now. Like they're leaders. Mm. But that's, that's that's what I'm here for. It makes me it, it think it makes all right. So it takes me right back to what you just asked us like a minute ago. Well, not even when you told us that people don't think that you're a real reverend, right, Rev? So <laughs> I think so. I think in one of our conversations, and this is why. And now, so now I think I'm I'm starting to understand maybe why people don't get it, right? Because you're you're all inclusive. You know what I'm saying? Your right hand man, TC Muhammad. I mean, we are you know you know mm-hmm. we know his background. You know, we have, we're so inclusive here that, you know, but traditionally we've segregated church and, and, and people, really, mm. and community, I would say that. And so one time I think we, well, yeah, we, I remember we were speaking and I was like, Rev, you know, you're able to, you know, so I'm giving you a shout out if you haven't realized it yet, Rev, but you're able to translate whether it's legislation, whether it's you know, any kind of policy, whether it's just all the jargon that Tamara was speaking of early, that it's all coded, you know what I'm saying? That people that when they hear it, it's like, oh, my brain, they don't even want to, you know, entertain it because it just sounds like it's not for me. So when you have someone there, because after every question, I don't know if everybody realizes, but after every every question and the answer is given, Rev says, hold on, you said a lot there. Let me unpack that. (laughs) And then he goes on a two to three minute master class of breaking down you know what the guests whatever I mean whatever it is and so I'm overly impressed with your ability to translate to the listener 
that's not really well versed in all these topics so it doesn't just fly over your head now everyone can be a part of the conversation so i think that's i think that's like the the one of the the gifts of the coolest show is that we have somebody there that's really doing the work that gets it that's been outside that ain't playing and when you hear it, you know, and you ask the tough questions, you know what I'm saying? You ask them tough questions and you, and you tell them, you know, you get, Hey, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to give you something, something hot. You know what I'm saying? So when you, when you give it to them, they like, ah, you know, I've never been asked that question before. And then from there we start, the unpacking happens and I'm always sitting here with my jaws open. Like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe that we're really talking about this stuff, but it, that shouldn't be a shock to me. And so that's the other problem maybe that this shouldn't be a shock we should have places where people could just tell their truth all the time and so i think that is what make the coolest show cool if you know if you want to put it in that in that light um but it's very it's just it's just that it's real and you don't just allow it or even if they do kind of like what we say filibuster the question you don't allow them to you know you you gonna come back at them you know what I'm saying? It's tennis out here we okay you hit okay that was a nice that was a nice hit we go back at you all right then you know what I'm saying so it's like I, I like that. I, I like the chess match sometimes in the in the in the conversation. And then you'll say, okay, we are we are playing high level chess, but let me break this down for my folks that know checkers. You know what I'm saying? So okay, guys, you just jump over here, jump over there, and then that's what we got to do to get this thing done. And is that and it's that simple? It is that simple? I, I think that's what makes it the coolest show. Listen, I, I listen. Yes, I, I hold it down. Listen, Seriously, listen. if you're not playing chess, you sitting down having tea with somebody, and y'all pouring it to each yeah. other. And and it's nice to it's just nice to to realize that like it is important for people to recognize that the the best part of this work for and watching you do it is the idea that you can get out your church clothes and still have church in you. Like, and so I think for the culture. That's a there's a real clear meaning to are you wearing your church clothes in this house and running around like you like and so people people are yeah, expecting you to real. show up in your church clothes and they don't realize that everything around you is the church. And and that's that's actually what the work is supposed to be. Like I am the daughter of of a theologian who has always worked with the unchurched. So it's clear as day to me, but I also have been trained to see that. Like I've I've been trained to recognize that there's a place for the doilies and there's a place for pants. And there's a place to dance and there's a place for the unchurched and that's where your real work is happening. So, so I think if people start to take that up, I think listening to that episode with you and Reverend Malcolm is a really great place. Cause one, it's just a really, it's really, it's a dry desert for listening to two black men laugh about anything in the work. I just want to lift up that like joy is another thing that you are carrying on behalf of other people being able to laugh with all of these folks not like people love some people love some terror porn like people are addicted to seeing terrible things happen to black bodies all the time so like just tuning in that i think it even goes back to your question around therapy like uh tuning in to hear two men laugh in a culture where two men laughing doesn't happen in the public is revolutionary and we should all be embarrassed that there aren't more of those places. You know, I I, I want to say thank y'all again. That actually that's a lot um, you all said there, and I actually want to just give a little bit of a um, background to to that. Um, one tomorrow, you're hundred percent right that we need to have more. I, I think I would I without a doubt believe that black joy is revolutionary, and so. That's just me. I think that's an important piece to this. But I also want to say this, um, 
And this kind of goes back to, this is, uh, I, I really just have, I want to thank my producers for taking this extra time. I really just have a couple more questions. Um, but I want to state that this actually may spur something in them by this statement. Um, you know, one of the things here is I believe for me, and this is from a spiritual context, um, so people can take this how they want to take it, but from a spiritual context, um, I believe that one day we will see those um, who have died from the injustice. We will see those who were lynched in the back of the woods and nobody heard their scream. We would see those who were poisoned by the lead. We would see those who drowned, not just a number, 1833, but we will look into the faces of those um, who were drowned in Katrina, those who drowned in Harvey, those who drowned in Maria. We will, we, we will see, we will see them. Not only will we see them, but um, everyone who has done the injustice to them will see them. And right now, that's just my belief. I just think that one day we will come face to face and they will come to us and they will say, what did you do? Um, were you, were, were you, did you, did you fight for justice? Did you, did you, did you fight to, to, to kind of make sure that my, my living was not in vain? Did you, did you fight? Was you about your resume? Was you about your building your business? Was you, was you, were you about just your own personal safety, your own home? When you knew what happened to me, you knew. You, nobody heard my scream but me and God when I died. When I took my last breath and I drowned from the gulf from the water, nobody was there but me and God. And, and you, but you knew that. You knew the consequences of what people are doing to this climate. You knew what happened when they burned the wildfires cause, and, and out in West and I was, I was consumed. I, you, you knew about the pain of my people and you knew that more of us died than anything. And you did nothing. All you did was worry about what was going on with the, with the TV show what was going on with your rent, that was what concerns you, not, not the pain of your people. And so when people hear me, um, honestly, y'all, I, 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 have, I, have, I have given up just the earthly things, to be honest, um, to fight for my people, um, you know, because I know how much pain my people have gone through. And I said this to... Destiny and some of some folks who's with the other day, our trauma impacts our oppression. And so I know that this is something here that we have to have this conversation, but I'm not going to give up. So that's just me, y'all. I just, I just want y'all to know that, that I just want to be a vessel. I just want to be, a, I think, and everybody in this show the same way. I think we, and I think that, um, you know, every day we, we, we have to recalibrate ourselves. We have to re remind ourselves to be a vessel, to say that, why am I here doing this? You know, and that allow for the oppressor to further oppress us. So I just want to say that 
and just say that, you know, I haven't forgot to those who have, who, who died yesterday because of bad quality in the air, for those who died last year, the hundreds of thousands, mostly black, brown people who died because of the pandemic. I ain't forgot you. I ain't ever going to forget you. Those who died on the side of the road when there was no video camera to show you was choked out or beaten or tased or shot in the head. I ain't forgot you. Sometimes we catch, sometimes we catch folks with the camera, but I ain't forgot y'all, man. And, and I know, I just pray that y'all on the other side of Jordan. I pray y'all okay. But I let y'all know on this side, I ain't forgot you. I'm going to fight. And I'm going to cause those who cause your death, your oppressors, they're going to feel your pain. They're going to know you. your life was not in vain. You might have been poor. You might have been from Alabama or New York or Tennessee. You might have been considered collateral damage. You might, people say you might be considered vulnerable communities. You may be considered all of that. You may be in Ghana or Senegal and all of that. But guess what? I, I actually believe that uh, if God be, is with us, that nothing can be against us. And I ain't forgot your pain. I, I, I still hear your pain. Sometimes I can't sleep at night because I hear your pain. And I, and I just hope that the guests we have uh, communicate that. Um, anyway, I know I just said a lot there. So uh, I just thank y'all. I just have one more question for my producers. Um, in that vein, um, uh, you know, we've had folks on this show who are in positions of power, like John Podesta, Ali Zaidi, um, Gina McCarthy, Cecilia Martinez, even Shalonda Baker. Um, you know, the show has touched touched Gina McCarthy so much. She wrote an article the next day <laughs> about her experience. You can go Google it, y'all. You can read it. Um, but how do we continue to speak truth to power, y'all? How do we continue to use this platform so that what I just got finished talking about, those who, who died um, didn't die in vain? I think we have to keep questioning power, quite literally, because there are different ways of getting it. I think there are different schools of thought. We're in a moment where people are always fighting about power, but there are also two modalities going up against each other. There are folks who build power by hoarding, like, and that's showing up in extraction in the work, in the ways that people are losing their lives, missing and murdered indigenous women, people losing their um, livelihoods and being forced to choose between life and livelihood every moment. And then there are folks who, who see power as a thing that when you build it out, when you give it to other people, it grows. And that is the essential tension that we are in in this moment. And so by creating another space so that people can see that there are other ways to build power, we create generative moments where more power can be built across a group, larger group of people. Because those folks who lose their lives in uh, silence also lose it in financial violence before that happens to them. Hmm. They are made more vulnerable by chronic underservice. And so just speaking to power about how it works, understanding what the streams are and how we make it generative is also the work talking about how it affects people, whether it's climate grief 
or or what pushes people to put a pen to paper to write a book about what they're experiencing or an op-ed where they question their own place in the work, where we think about what it means to have the optics. They have, without using the words justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, you know, there are examples of it happening throughout the podcast. People who are in positions and still have to figure out whether they're going to die for what Martin Luther King died, Jr. died for. He did not die for diversity. He did not die for inclusion, but he definitely died because he was calling for equity. And so, so as we watch that play out, all of those folks that you named have a thing to offer about how it works. Ali Zaidi and Gina McCarthy do different jobs in the administration that's only differentiated by a vowel to most people. Like we need to unpack that so that people who are experiencing the, the impact of decisions that they make know where that's coming from. Because at the end of the day, they speak on behalf of a government that lots of us fought and some people died to get elected just five minutes ago. So, so super, super excited to continue the conversation with folks about what is power, what are they doing with it, and who is supposed to benefit. Hmm. I second that. I second every piece of that. Um, questioning power. Um, what is it? Who has it? What are they doing with it? Um, do I have power? You know, does my community have power? Um, and I think that what you said, Rev, is really sitting with me. So my voice has changed a bit in tone because it resonated so much. Um, I sit here every day and I'm studying. Um, I believe that a revolutionary must study in the words of Malcolm X, in the words of Kwame Ture. And it is so disheartening, <laughs> so disheartening to read consistently the amount of people who have lost their lives um, just by fighting for their people and fighting for their lives. and and their community, their liberation, their freedom, the ability to choose what they do and, and don't do and what they can and can't do and what they want and what they have, et cetera. Um, and so many of us are doing that work and are living with that reality every day. It's really disheartening. How do I continue? How do I continue to do this work when tomorrow I might not be here? You know, from, from many different things in my environment, my family, might not be here. There's been many people lost to COVID-19 um, and, and other, again, parts of the endemic. And that's really hard to sit with. So I don't want us to just move on past that um, because that's real and that resonates rather than I'm here with you when it comes to not being able to sleep sometimes at night. And, you know, everybody doesn't take in this, this work the same way or take in how we do this work the same way. And so for those who might not, this is a moment of speaking truths of power and that the, there are those of us who are hurting um, consistently, who are experiencing trauma consistently. And we have to get up every day and do this work again and again, and again, because we don't have a choice. This is our livelihood. This isn't something that we just care about because it'll, it'll bring me more money or I can just get rid of the money in my pockets um, or that I can just put on social media that, I went to this protest or that I believe in this issue or that I'm woke enough, this is our livelihoods. And if we don't fight for it, we won't be here. And our people won't be liberated. They won't experience freedom. Um, we'll be going through this until the end of the planet if, if we really don't shift. And that's, that's a moment of speaking truth to power in this producer's episode right here of just naming that and all of our guests who've also named that and I think in, in speaking or in questioning power, it's also important for us to question justice. What is that? You know, what is justice? 
How do we acquire it? Has it been acquired? Um, is that what we're really striving for? Because my question is, what is liberation? You know, what does that mean? What is revolution? And I think we have shifted conversations throughout <laughs> decades and even recently of going from just, you know, our people were asking for the right to, to use the same restroom, to sit at the same counter, you know, and this wasn't that long ago. These are my grandparents, my great grandparents. Um, and was that all they were really asking for? I, I think we, you know, sometimes shrink things to a microcosm or we put labels on things um, or put them in certain boxes. But what they were really asking for was was freedom, was liberation. They weren't necessarily asking for one small step. They were asking for the whole thing. And are we now asking for the whole thing? What are, what are we asking for, you know? So questioning justice, questioning liberation, questioning how we get there, what are the necessary components, mechanisms to be moved, to be created? And where are those being created right now? Because it's what our show shows. There are people that are actively doing that every day that are innovating new ideas, new technology, um, new ways to connect with people, new ecosystems, new networks, new communities. And that's the blueprint. And so if speaking truth to power is the question, then the question is all of those things, you know, and many more questions that we're not even talking about. And it's, it's where do we start and where do we end? What is the goal? What are the goals? Who's writing those goals? Whose goals are we following? Whose agenda are we following? Whose lives are we living? Um, whose lives are we uplifting? Whose experiences are we uplifting? Answering all those questions or even just asking them is speaking truth to power and having a space where we can do all of that without being censored is powerful. Cross, you had the last word, my brother. Yes, yeah, so that's so, so I'm just listening. Like, like it's so much going through my brain right now. And like, man, just like. This conversation, it's, 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 it goes back to what we've been talking about. Like, why is this therapeutic? Why, 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 why am I, like, I'm, I'm picturing, like, I'm picturing faces. I'm, I'm, I'm just hearing conversations, you know what I'm saying, with my family, my own family. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, man, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. And I know, that, all right, so, I mean, to, so, you know, power. People don't believe that they have power. I'm telling you, man, where we from, people don't even understand that they got an opportunity to be great, man. They don't, they, a lot of people don't think that they're going to, you know, like, man, I got friends that's celebrating becoming, you know, 30 years old and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's great now based off of the fact that when I was growing up, they were saying you might not be 21, right? I look at myself, I look at myself in the mirror often, you know, I, I, I've I've come to the understanding that you know I tell myself man like man one day you're going you, you're going to die <laughs> you know what I'm saying but it's not about that anymore like I'm okay with that right but it's about how you know what I'm saying like what what impacted that do I want to die because someone made a freaking law or something that you know what I'm saying I couldn't get access to the right food or the right medicine or something like that. Like, that's scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think in just our communities overall, like, we don't know, man. We don't know who to question. We don't know who. We don't, people not, it's so much going on walking out the house every day just being black. Like, it's so, it's set up for us to die. 
period. You know what I'm saying? And um, the one thing I hear from all of these interviews from all of our guests, right? They start out, they tell us their stories they, and where they come from and why they do this work, and, and right? And then they all get to this like plateau and it's the same stop. It is the same stop from everybody. And I'm sitting here like, oh, okay. So everybody is like here. Then it's like, ah, it's hard to get. And you got some that's able to, you know what I'm saying, make it. And like you got the rev, the revs out here that's pulling, you know, pulling a few people, you know, because you can't pull everybody at one time, rev. You know what I'm saying? So you can pull who you can, then they can pull some folks. And then, you know, and that's really how it really has to happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, earlier when I said the coolest show is personal, because when I keep saying every week, like, man, I'm learning. Like, I'm learning because I'm already having these thoughts, but not to know you feel powerless, right? So now to have the opportunity to be around people that tell you that you're powerful, that you're beautiful, that no, nah, this is supposed to, like not supposed to happen, but this is this is why it's happening. Man, you getting answers that you never knew that existed, <laughs> and I think that's what makes it real to me more than anything. So you know, that's I guess I can stop there. I want to thank all of us. Um, for being very vulnerable in this conversation and for all of our guests who have been vulnerable with us because that's not easy. That's not always acceptable, quote unquote. That's all not, not always the norm. That's not always a show of quote unquote power, but it is powerful to be able to, to be vulnerable with one another, to be in community with one another. So I just want to appreciate everybody in this space and appreciate everybody listening and everybody that's been on the show for being able to do that with us. Um, and being able to listen, to take that in, because I, that's not just going over our heads. You know, we take that seriously. We appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you. And Cross, I, I think you just said, we've all said such incredible things in this conversation, especially about, you know, is that for us? What is for us? All these questions. I'm like, people are going to have homework. They're going to be thinking. Um, but uh, building our own table and, and the power in that. And that's what the show does. And it brings on people who are building their own tables and inspires people to build their own tables. And I think that's beautiful. I just, I love y'all. I appreciate yeah, y'all. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to edit me crying out though, Rev. Not just playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just play. I just play. I'm gonna I was tearing up. <laughs> I was like, oh man, Destiny is giving it right now, man. Ah. Yeah, so. Thanks. I, I feel the same way. I appreciate, you know, the team. Um, those here, those, those with us, you know, just in spirit every week. Um, that just really, man, do an amazing job, you know what I'm saying, of just, you know, this is a, this is, you know, for people who don't, you know, who are on the other side, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a strenuous thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do this every week, we meet every week on cue, no, you know what I'm saying? Every week we writing notes, like, you know, we're, we're recording, we're dissecting, and, you know, we're, we're really just, um, we're doing this for y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, for our people, for the people that's, that's just needs this information. Uh, and so I just want to say I appreciate, you know, Rev for even like, you know, st starting this platform, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, for the squad, just for like taking it and running with it. Nah, that's what's up. And that is actually Tamara Toes O'Loughlin, Destiny Hodges, and Juan Cross, our producers of The Coolest Show, along with our team, TC, Nikisha, Brandon, and Jarrell. Thank you all for making this a wonderful, wonderful experience, not only for us, as you can see, but for the world. And I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Mm -hmm.
Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Fake100Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. It's the coolest show you know.